Though this day, a month after Passover, is not named in the Tanakh, it was Jewish tradition that lovingly bestowed the phrase Pesach Sheni's second Passover upon it, capturing how the ritual symbolized a second chance to celebrate freedom, the potential for a second opportunity for celebration when the first was lost. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 298, Hezekiah's Passover. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. In his biography of Rabbi Herschel Schachter, who served as a Jewish chaplain in Patton's Third Army, the historian Raphael Medoff describes how on April 13, 1945, a mere two days after the liberation of Buchenwald, a unique service centered on Passover was held for its survivors. Around 1,500 Jews gathered at the Kinohala, the auditorium that was, until that point, used by Nazis to watch movies. Rabbi Schachter spoke about the Exodus linking liberations past and present. A description of the moment, cited by Medoff, can be found in a letter from Rabbi Schachter's driver, Hyman Shulman, to his wife. Shulman wrote, quote, Try to picture, my darling, men who are in all different phases of physical conditions, from those who appeared healthy to those who were half-starved, all Jews, all inspired by their newfound freedom, all full of emotion at attending their first free Jewish service in almost 10 years, given by an American rabbi. I must say that the chaplain actually outdid himself. He delivered an inspiring sermon in Jewish and Hebrew, as well as prayed for them, and with them exceedingly well. There were literally 1,200 men jam-packed in that former movie house, and a couple of hundred more who were not able to find place inside, milled around outside. End quote. As I wrote in a recent column and commentary, the chaplain joined his words with the distribution of a central food of Passover, unleavened bread, though he did not have enough as April 13th was already after Passover, and Rabbi Shachter had already distributed much of his matzah to the soldiers of the Third Army. But the matzah that he had was eagerly received by those liberated. Raphael Medoff describes the scene. He broke the matzahs into as many small pieces as possible and distributed them to the eager attendees for whom they represented their Jewish identity that had been suppressed for so long. End quote. Now, of course, this was after Passover. But in this respect, as Rabbi Shachter himself noted, The moment was linked in spirit to a law in the Torah known as Second Passover, a law that may also have played a role in one of the most important Passovers in Jewish history. King Uzziah, as we saw, is struck with Tzarat so that his son Yotam reigns in his stead. Yotam, in turn, is followed by the disastrous Ahaz, who adopts the religion of the dominant power in the region, Assyria. Under Ahaz, Jerusalem and Israel is sunk in sin, mired in idolatry. But then Ahaz is succeeded by one of the most successful kings, in Jewish history. Hezekiah, Chizkiyahu, who throws off the yoke of Assyria both politically and theologically. Hezekiah not only restores entirely the temple service, he not only eradicates idolatry, he also ensures that all sacrificial services take place in the temple, abolishing the bamot, the high places where Israelites were bringing offerings to God. In order to create a supreme covenantal moment, Hezekiah invites all of his subjects to Jerusalem to mark Passover. And he also invites Israelites from the north who had been lost for so long to true Torah faith to join them in Jerusalem. Some northern Israelites scorn the invitation, but others respond positively. Chapter 30, and as we read, please note the date given for the Passover observance. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. For the king had taken counsel 
and his ministers and all the congregation in Jerusalem to keep the Passover in the second month, for they could not keep it at that time because the priests had not sanctified themselves sufficiently. Neither had the people gathered themselves together to Jerusalem, and the thing pleased the king and all the congregation. So they established a decree to make proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba to Dan, that they should come to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem. For they had not done it of a long time in such sort as it was written. So the posts went with the letters from the king and his ministers throughout all Israel and Judah, and according to the commandment of the king, saying, Ye children of Israel, turn again unto the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and he will return to the remnant of you that are escaped out of the hand of the kings of Assyria. And be not like your fathers and like your brethren, which trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers, who therefore gave them up to desolation, as ye see. Now be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord, and enter into his sanctuary, which he hath sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. For if ye turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that lead them captive, so that they shall come again into this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful, and will not turn away his face from you, if ye return unto him. So the post passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh, even unto Zebulun, and they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. Nevertheless, diverse members of Asher and Manasseh and of Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Also in Judah, the hand of God was to give them one heart to do the commandment of the king and of the princes by the word of the Lord. Thus, those that gathered to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem were an incredible assembly. Hezekiah's subjects from Judah and those that had survived the Assyrian assault on the northern kingdom and came out of religious loyalty to Jerusalem. But note the passage's reference to the performance of the Passover ritual taking place in the second month because the priests had previously been defiled and because many could not make it to Jerusalem in the first month. This point is made again in verse 13. And there assembled at Jerusalem much people to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month a very great congregation. And they arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And all the altars, for instance, they took away and cast them into the Kidron Brook. Then they slaughtered the Passover on the 14th day of the second month, and the priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought in the burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. The second month, that is what Scripture tells us. This is initially a bit difficult to understand, as Passover is observed in the first month, what is known today as Nisan. How then could it be marked in the second? To this, the Talmud offers two explanations. One possibility is that Hezekiah had pushed Passover off by creating a leap year, wherein the twelfth month of the previous year is doubled. Thus, the Passover observance of Hezekiah was indeed technically held in the first month, just a month later than expected. But a different explanation offered is that what is being marked here is not the regular Passover, but rather what is known as Pesach Sheni, Second Passover, or if you will, a makeup Passover, a month after when Passover was supposed to have been held. The origin of Second Passover is described in the book of Numbers in a tale that occurred one year after the Exodus. Remembering the liberation that had occurred one year before, the Israelites in the desert offered the Paschal Lamb as they had in Egypt 12 months prior. But several Israelites had just recently come in contact with a dead body. This necessitated a seven-day ritual defilement, preventing them from engaging in sacrificial rituals. Thus we are told, And there were certain men who were defiled by the dead body of a man that they could not keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and before Aaron on that day, and those men said unto him, 
We are defiled by the dead body of a man. Wherefore are we made less that we may not offer an offering of the Lord in his appointed season among the children of Israel? Moses, we are told, was so impressed by their desire to participate in the Passover ritual that he brings the complaints of these Israelites to the Almighty. And God, in turn, allows these Israelites, defiled by death, a second chance at the ritual a month later with all the same details. And it is permanently ordained that those defiled in the first month or too far away to bring the Paschal offering are able to bring it in the second month. This is Pesach Sheni, the second Passover. And this possibly is what Hezekiah is doing here as well. What is being held, according to one Talmudic interpretation, is a makeup, a second Passover. And if that is the case, we are able to discern a sublime symbolism. As I noted in commentary, though this day, a month after Passover, is not named in the Tanakh, it was Jewish tradition that lovingly bestowed the phrase Pesach Sheni's second Passover upon it, capturing how the ritual symbolized a second chance to celebrate freedom, the potential for a second opportunity for celebration when the first was lost. In a certain sense, therefore, as I further wrote, Second Passover captures Jewish history itself. In 1979, during the Camp David negotiations, the Washington Post reported Menachem Begin's response to those who said to him that this was Israel's last chance for peace. Begin said, according to the Post, as follows, quote, This, of course, is one of the important events of our time. But if people say this is a fateful meeting, we disagree. The fate of our people should not depend on any meeting, this meeting or any other, Begin said. Our people lived thousands of years before Camp David and shall continue to exist thousands of years after. There are no last opportunities or chances. There is always new opportunity, said Begin, end quote. We can understand then the resonance that a second Passover marked by Hezekiah would have had for the Israelites gathered in Jerusalem. For the heretofore idolatrous members of the people of Israel, this Passover marked a second chance. And we can now turn back to that Passover service held after Passover in Buchenwald and understand why Rabbi Schachter, looking back at that moment, called it a second Passover. Raphael Medoff writes as follows, quote, For Schachter, distributing matzah evoked the celebration of Pesach Sheni, the second Passover, a day that in ancient times was observed as Passover by those who were unable to observe the holiday on its actual date. The evening that Schachter distributed the matzah pieces was not literally Pesach Sheni. In 1945, that occasion fell on April 27th, whereas the first Sabbath service led by Schachter and Buchenwald took place two weeks earlier on April 13th. Still, he noted, it was Pesach Sheni in the most meaningful sense for these Jews who were unable to have an actual Pesach, end quote. And when we think about it, as I'd further noted in commentary, we realize that this Pesach celebration that was neither on Pesach nor on second Pesach may, in a certain sense, have been one of the greatest embodiments of second Passover in Jewish history. For after all, is there a better parallel to the origin of second Passover, those defiled by the dead, ultimately celebrating freedom, than a liberation celebration of survivors following an encounter with the ultimate embodiment of death? Two weeks after the first service in Buchenwald, another service was held on April 27th, which actually happened to be the 14th day of the second month, second Passover itself. This time, the chaplain had prepared enough matzah, and Hyman Shulman wrote as follows to his wife, quote, Yesterday was Pesach Sheni, you know. And he added, That service entailed a lot of work, for we had decided to give out matzahs, candy, cakes, and cigarettes, 
that we had brought these people. There were about 1,500 people at that Seder, so you can imagine how they felt receiving matzah, which they hadn't tasted or even seen for about five years. The miraculous thing about it was that not one of them ate a piece of matzah until the chaplain said the blessing over the matzah. The second Passover mentioned in the Bible embodies Jewish history. It reflects the story of Jews that existed thousands of years before Camp David and will exist thousands of years after it, a people that has no final chance and continues onward into eternity. This is Mayor Soloveitchik, looking forward to learning together tomorrow, signing off.